Well, we're going to be back in our series on uh, our statement of faith. And if you'd open up to uh, uh, John 3, 16 to 18, that's going to be the first passage that we read today. And uh, so as you're turning there, uh, we'll go to the Lord in prayer one more time that he anoints the, uh, the preaching of the word. Father, in Jesus' precious name, we love you, Lord. And uh, we pray that you be with us today. We pray that uh, we felt your presence in our fellowship, in our singing praises, and in our prayers. And I pray, Lord, that today you'd also be with us in the preaching of the word. And we pray that it would be your word, your truth, that would be proclaimed from this pulpit, Lord, not the faulty wisdom of man. And Lord, you know that like all human beings except for King Jesus, you know that I'm a sinful man and I've led people astray, not just before I got saved, but probably after I got saved as well. And so I pray, Lord, that your spirit would fill me, that your spirit would anoint me and would empower me to proclaim your truth so that I would not lead anyone astray. I pray that the faulty wisdom of man, fake news, would not be proclaimed from this pulpit, but that your truth would be proclaimed. And I pray that your people, God's people, you would work on our hearts and our minds to receive your truth, to understand your truth, and give us the power to apply your truth so we could be faithful servants who live for your son, the Lord Jesus, who live to bring him glory, not ourselves, who live to build your kingdom and not our own kingdom. We want to be your faithful servants, Lord, but we can only do that through the power of the Holy Spirit and for the glory of the triune God. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. You know, as I look out here, I could say, without, without knowing everybody, like, real, real, real close, you know, just what little I know about you, I'm looking out. You know, this is, I, I would never be a good, one of those good self-help speakers or something like that, because I know too much of God's truth. I'm looking out, really, and you can, don't get mad at me. I'm talking about me, too, but I'm looking out at a bunch of failures. The most important test in life, the most important test in life, in fact, the only one that really matters, we all fail. It, it, it's like we take a test that's going to determine our future and we all get a zero on it. Okay? We all fall short. If we want what we've earned, it's a place called hell. Okay, I don't know about you. I think most of you agree with me. I don't want what I deserve. I want grace. I don't want what I deserve. I want God's mercy. I don't want what I deserve. I want the salvation that the Lord Jesus won for me on the cross of Calvary. I want death conquered for me 
when my king rose from the grave. The reason why we're here, we're a bunch of failures who found Jesus. And Jesus gives us the victory. And so we come and we study his word because we know. No matter how bad things get, no matter how messed up our world is, no matter how much we stumble and fall, we know these two words. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. I could think through all my years growing up in New Jersey and, and in the Marine Corps and in the law enforcement, pastoring and teaching. If there's one thing I can tell you, Yeah, I've said a lot. I taught you from Essex County, New Jersey, half Italian. By nature, I talk a lot. I talk too much. I talk to people, and I apologize after I get done <laughs> for taking like an hour of their lives away from them. And all they, sometimes all they ask me is, how you doing? <laughs> you know, and uh, I found out that when you hit 50, I hit that a long time ago, you hit 50, you actually take that question seriously. Don't ask me. Don't ask, I'll break out a list for you. Everything that's going wrong. The old body's breaking down. So I've said a lot of stuff in my life. Okay? A lot of stuff. Stuff that's recorded, stuff that's not recorded. I've said a whole lot of stuff. But if there's only one thing you remember... from what Phil Fernandez said throughout his life, is that Jesus saves, okay? I could tell you a lot of stuff, but nothing more important than that. Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again, and Jesus saves. And so we need to come to him on bended knee. And so Trinity Bible Fellowship, we acknowledge that salvation, this is point number 12, in our statement of faith, salvation is by God's grace alone. It's a free gift. We can't earn it. And we accept this free gift of salvation through faith alone. In Jesus alone as God and Savior. Okay? And it's, it's God's grace. It's a gift, free gift. We can't earn it. If we get what we deserve, it's a place called hell. And we receive this free gift by faith alone. That's by trusting in Jesus. It's not just believing about Jesus. It's also trusting in him. Once you acknowledge that Jesus is God the Son who became a man, who died on the cross for our sins and rose from the dead to conquer death for us and that he's coming back to make things right on planet Earth, once you put all that together, you still got to believe in him. Believing that Jesus is Savior is not enough. Once you acknowledge that Jesus is Savior, then you've got to believe in him. Okay? The illustration I give for that was when it was Officer Sanders, before he became a, a sergeant, he was a former Marine, but he was a really nice guy and uh, was not like a fighter type of guy. Wasn't the roughest guy on the planet, but I knew he was a good cop and he would do his job. So when I was arresting a guy for DUI and he got a little... Uh, he started moving in the direction of being aggressive during the field sobriety test, so we had to stop it. And um, the guy was about 6'4", 230, 
He gets a little bigger each time I tell the story. No, he was about, he was about 6'4", 230. So he was almost a foot taller than me. And, and the guy was in his 40s. Okay, now back then I was in my 20s. So I assume this guy's not gonna be a problem. He's in his 40s, he's almost dead. He's a real old man, you know. Now I take a different perspective. I learned a little that night too. But I got the guy all balanced and was trying to cuff him and I cuffed one hand and he resisted. And here off balance, I couldn't whoop the guy. I couldn't get the, the uh, other hand going. So uh, whatever the case, I knew Officer St Sanders was going to hold on to the one hand that was cuffed. Because last thing police officers want is to have a, a fight with a guy who's swinging at you with one handcuff on. So it's like a razor blade coming all, all over the place. But I knew, I, I thought to myself, you know what? I can't beat up this guy. This guy, even drunk, is too big and too strong for me. I can't beat him up, but all I got to do is fight with one of his arms. I barely won that one, but I'll just take on the one arm. But I never had to worry because I knew Officer Sanders, former Marine, good cop, and a faithful guy, faithful friend. He's not going to, he'll die before he lets go of that other arm. So I didn't even have to worry about it. So I twist and twisted and torqued on that arm and finally, finally got it over. And then Officer Sanders came and we took, put the other cuff on and then we stuffed him in the back of the vehicle and that story had a happy ending, at least for us. And, um, but the thing was, until that point, I had believed certain things about Officer Sanders, okay? I believed that he was a good police officer. I believe that he would do his job and not let his partner down, okay? I believe that in a situation like that, he's not gonna let go of that one arm, okay? Uh, at that particular moment though, then I had to believe in him. I had to just trust him and say, okay, I'm gonna do my job and I trust that Officer Sanders is gonna do his job and he did. And that's the difference between believing about Jesus and believing in him. Now, as we look at these passages, I want us all to reflect on our lives. If we know for sure that we have trusted in Jesus from the heart for salvation, that we've acknowledged, hey, look, I'm a sinner. I deserve the flames of hell. I cannot save myself. And I'm trusting in the Lord Jesus and trusting in him alone for salvation, not Jesus plus Freud, okay? Not Jesus plus my good works. If you acknowledge that, yes, I have trusted in Jesus alone for salvation, then as we read the, these passages, I want you just to rejoice and say, praise God, in a fallen world, we have hope because Jesus saves and I trusted in him and I'm going to continue to trust in him until he comes back for me or I go home to see him. If you came in here and you weren't ever sure that you trusted in Jesus for salvation, please listen to these verses. Pray about it. Think about it. I'm telling you, I don't care how big and how strong you are. I don't care how rich you are. Everybody needs Jesus. Everybody needs Jesus. 
and Jesus saves. So let's look at John 3, 16 to 18. And Jesus is speaking and he says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Well, we already condemned ourselves. But that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. That's the, that's the, the number one distinction between human beings. It's not ethnic groups or so-called race. There's only one human race, to be honest with you. We're all descendants of Adam. Um, it's not Raider fans versus Seahawk fans or Methodists versus Presbyterians and all. The, the main division between human beings is those who are saved and those who remain lost. Okay? Jesus Christ didn't just split history with his birth. And that's why we have the calendar that we have today. He splits humanity. He even said, I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. I'm going to divide even people in their own families. Those who believe in Jesus and those who reject Jesus. And so, you know, and, and by the way, as we look at these passages, we're not, it's not just talking about Jesus. It's talking about you. And it's talking about me. Because when it says God so loved the world, guess what? That's all the people in the world. If you're a person in this world, and I assume you are, God's word is talking about you. For God so loved the world. You might say, well, Pastor Phil, you, you see how, how rough my life is, how much I get kicked around, people treat me like trash at work, and this and that, and blah, blah, blah. Let me tell you, though, according to my Bible, God loves you. And so we're going to learn a lot about ourselves today, not just about Jesus. But because God loves us, okay, what did he do? He gave us his only begotten son. He sent the Lord Jesus to be a substitute sacrifice for our sins. Why? Because there's no other way for us to be saved. And whoever believes in him should not perish, will not spiritually perish, but will have everlasting life. See, God, if God wanted to condemn the world, the world's already condemned. He wouldn't have sent Jesus. So he didn't send Jesus to condemn the world. He sent Jesus to save the world. And that's the good news. Again, Jesus saves. And if he wanted, God wanted to condemn us, he would have just left us on our own. So whoever believes in Jesus is not condemned. Whoever doesn't believe is condemned already. Why? Because of their sin? No, because they haven't believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. You see, every person who goes to hell, it's not because of their sins, because Jesus paid the price for them. So if somebody ends up in hell, it's because they haven't trusted in Jesus for salvation. Okay? It's like you took that test and you got a zero on it, and then the teacher crosses it out in red ink and writes 100%. You say, well, how, I got a zero. I couldn't do anything right. I got a zero. How could I get 100? 
And then the teacher said, because I took the test for you. Jesus saves. Look at, uh, at John 14, 6. John 14, 6. Here's a passage that even many in the church today don't take seriously. John 14, 6. It's not politically correct to say this. But Jesus said, if Jesus was politically correct, they wouldn't have nailed him to a cross of wood. And they wouldn't have killed his followers either. Christians are being slaughtered all throughout the world today, except for Europe and, uh, and America. But that exception is going down, I'm telling you. This is not grandpa's uh, America anymore. But Jesus said to him, John 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, when I say Jesus saves, what I mean is only Jesus saves. Okay? And... Um, the Hindu, can a Hindu or a Buddhist or a Muslim or a Jew go to heaven? Yes, but they got to trust in Jesus for salvation. And if they trust in Jesus for salvation, they become a Christian. For the Jew, it would be a Jewish Christian. For the Hindu, the Buddhist, or the Muslim, they'd be a former Hindu, Buddhist, or, or Muslim. There's no other way. It's only through Jesus. And so you find in the Quran saying that Jesus was only a prophet. No. Jesus was God, the Son, become a man. And uh, the Quran even doesn't even believe that Jesus died on the cross. Some Muslims say it was Judas who died on the cross, not Jesus. We've got to understand, Jesus said salvation is through him and through him alone. Okay? We've got to preach that. The day the church stops saying that salvation is only through Jesus, only those who trust in Jesus will be saved, the day the church stops saying that is the day the church ceases to be the church. Jesus said, I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And um, uh, look at Ephesians 2, 8 to 10. Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Chapter 2, verses 8 to 10. And that reads, For by grace, charis, it's God's charity, something we don't earn, we don't deserve, God's unmerited favor. For by grace you have been saved through faith, through trusting in Jesus. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Salvation is a gift of God not of works, lest anyone should boast. Okay, now we, by the way, we should be the most boastful people on the planet Earth. We ought to brag more than anybody, but we don't boast about ourselves. What did we earn? We earned hell. What are we receiving? Heaven. Jesus won it for us. It's not our works that save us, it's the works of Christ that save us. So 2 Corinthians 10, 17 says, but he who boasts, let him boast in the Lord. You've been bragging about Jesus lately? I know I've been bragging about Jesus, but probably not as much as I should be bragging about Jesus. Sometimes I'm a man on a mission. I go to Fred Myers or Safeway. 
I'm confused the other day. I've been going to Walmart a lot lately. And um, uh, Safeway's got all the stuff in different places. So I was just wandering around. And um, when I go shopping, man, I'm, I'm there to conquer. I'm there to pick up what's on my list and um, get it and get out of there. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> and you, you know, I, when I'm thinking, like, where's... Sometimes I think, I'm thinking, where are the oranges? I don't even... I'm in the cereal row. Where, do, where are the oranges? And maybe the Holy Spirit's saying, you ought to be asking... Where are the people who need Jesus? Now, I'm not saying you got to preach to everybody you see. But just figure out a way that they could sense the presence of God. Figure out a way that you could plant seed. Maybe you planted seed on Monday, and now on Sunday, somebody's witnessing to that person you planted seed to. But I, I at least say God bless you and be safe. And sometimes by the way people respond, I know, you know what? I could talk more here. Sometimes the way people respond, it's like, okay, any conversation about Jesus is going to push this person further away. They're not ready yet. And um, but we got to boast about King Jesus. We need to brag more, people. Not about ourselves. We need to brag about King Jesus. There's probably, I would guess that right now with the state of Kitsap County, there's probably more people Monday through Friday who are bragging about their favorite bar than there are Christians bragging about their Lord or the church they go to. Okay? And we, we're programmed. We feel guilty. We feel like, oh, oh, I was just so pushy on that guy when I talk to him about Jesus. I mean, that's like saying some guy's running off the edge of a cliff and you stop him, take the blindfold off and show him he's falling off the edge of a cliff and then feel like, oh, I should have just minded my own business. I was too pushy. Let me tell you, when you share Jesus with somebody, that's the greatest gift you could ever give. So don't apologize for preaching Jesus. You brag about your king. I don't know about other people who they worship, but I know that my king suffered for me. My king died for me. And when all hope looked lost, my king conquered a grave. And so I have hope. And his name is Jesus, and he's coming back. You can't brag about that. I don't know what you can brag about. But we don't boast in ourselves, but he who boasts, let him boast in the Lord. And in verse 10, though, so it's for by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not as a result of works, that no one should boast. But then all of a sudden, verse 10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We're God's workmanship. The word in the Greek, we get the word poem from that. Okay? So remember I told you earlier we're a bunch of failures? Yeah, but we're failures who got saved. 
I'm a loser from Exodus County who got saved. There's a lot of good things you can say about me. Guess what? Those are all the changes that King Jesus made in me. I look in the mirror and I don't see it, but I'm supposed to be God's work of art. You're supposed to be God's work of art. So we were failures. That's the old you, and the old you is dead. You don't have to act the way the old you used to act. There's a voice in my head, just like there's a voice in your head. Saying, no, you're the, same. you're the same loser you used to be. You're the same failure you used to be. You think you're so important. No, you're, 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 you're not important. You're still that failure. No, you're not. If you're redeemed, if you're bought by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, guess what? It might not look that way to us. You're God's work of art. He's making changes in you. He's not going to stop till you see him face to face. Uh, today, I don't. They got invited to Jersey. I can't afford to go out there, but Joe DeBellis, my old coach and boxing trainer, one of my three primary boxing trainers, he's getting up in years, and so his family is having a party for him, and they're inviting all his former fighters, and just about all of them are going to be there except me. And um, um, and so, and I'm trying to trying to remember why I brought that up, but whatever the case, oh yeah, because I thought you know what, if I showed up, if I flew out there, which I can't do, and I showed up, I thought I don't know if any of my old buddies would like me anymore. Okay. Um. I don't talk like I used to talk. I've removed a lot of words from my vocabulary for good reasons. You know, I don't drink anymore. I don't start trouble anymore. I don't think I'm the toughest guy in the world. I mean, I'm not the same guy I used to be. And, um, and so I love Joe DeBellis, old Caldwell Police Athletic League, and there was Manny Gonzalez. I think Manny's with the Lord now. Bill Stevens, I don't know if Bill Stevens is still alive. And my old coaches, I love the other fighters that were there. But it, I'm telling you, if I went back to Jersey, I don't even know if they'd recognize me. And uh, I'm friends with them on Facebook. So they're looking at my boxing and my Raider post and Ju Dr. J, Julius Serving, and then, they, and then my sermons pop up. And I'm, I'm hoping they... I'm trying to find common ground, bring people to my Facebook page, and then I'm hoping that they'll listen to my sermons. And um, um, I'm not the guy I used to be. If you know Jesus, you're not who you used to be. You used to be, a, used, I'll be honest, you used to be just a, just a mound of clay. King Jesus has been working on you ever since you said yes to Jesus. And he's building his work of, of art. Do you realize that you, know, you think, well, I'm not important and this and that. You know, don't, don't get a big head. But because of God's work in you, 
God, you are a new creation in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. So we're God's work of art, new creations in Christ, created in Christ Jesus for what? For good works. And when did God prepare these good works for us? Uh, he prepared them in eternity past that we should walk in them. Throughout all eternity, throughout all eternity, there were things that God prepared for you to do once um, you're saved by him. And um, let me tell you, the two biggest needs that human beings have, one is security. We all want to be loved. And the other is significance. We all want to be important. But God put eternity in our hearts. So to be human is to think about eternity. We don't just fear death. We fear what comes after death because we think about eternity. And so if we're going to be secure, we need to be eternally secure. If we're going to be significant, we need to be eternally significant. And that only comes from the triune God. For God so loved the world, he loves us for all eternity. Forever and ever we'll be loved. And forever and ever we'll be significant because we serve the kingdom that cannot be shaken. Everything else that can be shaken will be shaken until the only thing left standing will be the kingdom of God. And we serve our king and we love our king because he loves us. I'm not the same guy I used to be. You're not the same guy or gal you used to be if you know Jesus. That's why James said, faith without works is dead. He said, you can't tell me you met my big brother Jesus. James is talking. You can't tell me you met my big brother Jesus and everything remained the same. If you met my big brother Jesus, everything changes. You're a new creation in Christ. Don't listen to that voice in your head saying you're still the same loser you used to be. No, you're not. You're God's work of art. Stop bringing up. See, when we sin, when we sin, it's not like two vicious dogs in a fight. Our desire to sin, fighting our desire to serve the Lord. When we sin, it's actually really stupid. We do it all the time, but it's like taking a dead dog for a walk around a block. Because the old Phil Fernandez, the old you is dead. I'm a new creation in Christ. You're a new creation in Christ. You're God's work of art. We got to start acting that way. Okay? And, but I, I wake up in the morning. I can't even stand. Wake up in the morning. I feel like a loser. I look in the mirror. It's like, man, I look older than my father. Okay? Um, look, if God said it, believe it. If God said you're his work of art, start acting that way and just take God at his word. And, um, and so we're eternal winners through the Lord Jesus Christ and his work. This is why in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, Jesus is looking at the Jewish people and he thought, man, they're fallen and all. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. But, you know, 
They're looking at all the technicalities that the Pharisees were adding, you know, to the Sabbath day. You violate the Sabbath day if you carry your mat. That's why Jesus would heal somebody and say, pick up your mat and walk. But they would add all these technicalities, and the people couldn't keep up. It's kind of like trying to obey American laws today. There's so many technicalities. Dinesh D'Souza says the average American commits two or three federal crimes each day and doesn't know it because there's so many technicalities, okay? And um, that's why it's wrong for the government to do what it's doing to certain political people. If they don't like what their, their view is, they pick up or a woman, okay? And then they start digging into all their stuff and eventually they're gonna find something that went wrong somewhere. You don't, you don't do that, it's not the way you see a crime and then you go after the one who committed the crime. You don't go after a person and then dig up all this stuff. Well, the Jewish people, they had so many rules and regulations, they couldn't keep up with it. And a lot of them were just saying, I can't do it. I can't obey all these rules and regulations. I guess I'm just going to hell. And Jesus could look at them. He knew they were tired. He knew they were worn out trying to, trying to please Yahweh in their own strength, trying to please the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I got all these technicalities that the Pharisees are adding, and I trust them as religious leaders. Man, I'm weary. I'm tired. I feel like throwing in a towel. I guess there's no place in heaven for me. And a carpenter from Nazareth wasn't even trained in their rabbinical schools, the schools of Hillel or Shammai. Carpenter from Nazareth shows up. He says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We got to come to Jesus for rest. We're not going to find rest anywhere else. You know, that's, I mean, you look at Revelation 14, 9 to 11. Those who accept the mark of the beast, they go to hell. Smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever, and they have no rest day and night forever and ever. I remember being a little kid and all the things I wanted to do. Now I'm an old man. My dream of a perfect day I just get to sleep all day. <laughs> I need rest. I want rest. Our rest is only Jesus is our Sabbath rest. We have our rest in him. So he said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. There's some people out here today, you might be weary and heavy laden. You might not be able to, to bear what you're going through. If you haven't found Jesus, come to Jesus. King Jesus loves you, King Jesus saves, and King Jesus will give you rest. And that's why I love that passage, Isaiah 45, 22. Yahweh in the Old Testament. This is like, he's like, well, Yahweh's just there to save the Jews, period. No. I'm not Jewish, so I mean like, I want salvation. Well, the God of Israel, Yahweh, Isaiah 45, verse 22, says, turn to me, turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God, 
There is no other. Oh, we come to Jesus and we come to Jesus on bended knee. I got a lot of respect for quote unquote important people, people in positions of authority. Okay? Um, I was in the Marine Corps, I saluted a lot of people, and I'll respect police officers. And sometimes it's hard, but I'll try to respect politicians. Okay? But um, I'm telling you, I look at the history of mankind. There is only one guy that I will bow before. There's only one guy that I will bend the knee to him and only one guy that I will confess that he is Lord, and that is King Jesus. Praise God that Jesus saves. Okay, look at Romans 3. Here's an extended passage. I want us to really think about the words where Paul spells out kind of the theology, the biblical doctrine of salvation. In Romans 3, verses 9 to 12, Romans 3, verses 9 to 12, Paul says this, What then? Are we better than they? Not at all. For we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks that's everybody, that they are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. So I'm telling you, I'm, I'm serious. We're reading about us. We're not just reading about Jesus. We're reading about us. It says there's none righteous, no, not one. That means you. That means me. Verse 11, there is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. We don't seek after God. He seeks after us. That's why when Adam and Eve sinned, they were hiding in the bushes. God said, "Where are Adam, where are you? We're hiding. God comes seeking for us. That's why Jesus said, come to seek and save that which is lost. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. That includes you and me. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good. No, not one. You realize every person on this planet who hasn't trusted in Jesus for salvation? Is thinking they're going to solve this major problem of salvation on their own. It's only through Jesus that we can be saved. So Paul says, look, we're all sinners. We can't save ourselves. Then look at verse 19. Now we know that whatever the law says, God's law, it says to those who are under the law that every mouth might be stopped and that all the world may become guilty before God. See, the law was never intended to save. It was to show you that you stand condemned. You stand guilty before God. God is perfectly righteous. Even the tiniest sin is rebellion against the ultimately worthy being, that's God, and makes us deserving of the ultimate in punishment. That's hell, the lake of fire, eternal separation from God. Now, if there's going to be a substitute sacrifice, 
Sin is so big, it's rebellion against the ultimate worthy being. If there's going to be a substitute sacrifice, the substitute sacrifice has to be ultimately worthy, has to be God. And so God the Son became a man to represent man and to be sacrificed for man, to die for man. But he is still God. Jesus is still God, the ultimately worthy substitute sacrifice. So the, the law shows the whole world that we're condemned before God. Okay? What, uh, Anthony Fauci recently said, hope I don't get, hope we don't the sermon doesn't get canceled just because I mentioned the guy's name. Um, but he said he doesn't need religion, he doesn't need Christianity because he's done enough good things in his life. Okay? No, dude, you're Italian, but I'm still telling you, you're wrong, okay? Um, verse 20, therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. So by the works of the law, no human being will be declared righteous in God's sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. The law doesn't save us. The law shows us that we're sinners, and we stand condemned before a holy God. So the law, Galatians 3.24 tells us, the law is a substitute teacher or a tutor to lead us to Christ. The law shows us the bad news. We're all sinners and we can't save ourselves. And that points us to Christ. And the good news is there's a way of salvation and it's only through Jesus. Verse 21, but now the righteousness of God, the righteousness of God, that's your ticket that you need to get into heaven. Isaiah tells us your own righteousness, our own righteousness is filthy rags before the Lord. Our ticket to heaven is the, right, the perfect righteousness of God that is only found in King Jesus. So on a judgment day, either you're going to go in either your own, like Anthony Fauci wants to, I hope he gets saved. Lord knows we need more Italians in heaven. But um, if he's going to go in his own righteousness, that's going to look like filthy rags before the righteousness of the Lord Jesus. When I'm standing on a judgment day, I'm, I'm telling God the Father, I don't want to stand here in my own righteousness, my own filthy rags. I'm clothed with the righteousness of the King of Kings. I'm clothed with the righteousness of the Lord of Lords. I'm clothed with the righteousness of the Lamb who was slain, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Righteousness is your ticket to heaven. You can only get that righteousness credited to your account if you trust in Jesus for salvation. But now, okay, you're, the law condemns you, but Paul says, but now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed being witnessed by the law and the prophets. The Old Testament's all about Jesus. Don't, don't, don't look for uh, technicalities and rules and regulations in the Old Testament. Look for Jesus. The law and the prophets witnessed the righteousness of God apart from the law. Verse 22, even the righteousness of God through works? No. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference. doesn't matter if you're poor or you're a billionaire like Bill Gates. There's no difference. 
For there's no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Okay? We're all sinners condemned by the law and deserving of the eternal flames of hell. Only through Jesus can we be saved. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified, declared righteous freely by his grace. It's a free gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. What is redemption? Redemption is setting someone free by the paying of a price. Jesus sets us free from the power of sin and the penalty of sin by paying the price. The price he paid, he shed his blood on the cross of Calvary until the point of death. I serve a king who's all-powerful. I serve a king who is all-knowing. I serve a king that is perfectly just. But I also serve a king who loves me, who's working on me. I serve a king that redeemed me. I serve a king who died for me, and he redeemed me. He bought me back. I was a slave to sin, and he set me free. He paid the price, free gift. He set me free so I could be a slave to righteousness. It's Romans 6, verses 17 and 18. Do you realize we're slaves to righteousness right now? We sure don't act that way. We act like we're still slaves to sin. God's word says, no, you used to be slaves to sin. Then you trusted in Jesus for salvation. Now you're slave for, to righteousness. We need to act that way. I don't always act that way. You don't always act that way. But we need to act that way. So we're declared righteous freely by God's grace, something we didn't earn, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, whom God set forth as a propitiation. Jesus was the atonement. He reconciles us to God. He satisfies the wrath of God, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood, Jesus' blood, through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, God passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness. God, God demonstrated his justice, his righteousness when Jesus died on the cross. That, that he might be just, God remains just, and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. There's some of the most profound things in the Bible right here in this statement. Okay? And you might think, well, Paul contradicts himself because in Romans 5, 8, he says that on the cross, uh, God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's not a contradiction. God demonstrates his justice, through Jesus' death? How just is God? God is so just that for sinners like Phil Fernandez to get to heaven, Jesus, had, his own son, his only begotten son, had to be slaughtered and sacrificed in my place. No other way for us to be saved. How just is God? He is so just. He had to have his own son sacrificed in our place. How loving is God? God loves us so much. He was willing to sacrifice 
his own son for us. Would you do that? I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't sacrifice my daughter or grandsons for somebody else. God loves us so much. He sent his son to die for us, but it also proves his justice. Verse 27, where is boasting then? You can't, we can't brag in ourselves. You're not going to heaven singing with Frank Sinatra, I did it my way. Okay? Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? No. But by the law of faith. See, if, if you're saved by faith, it's because you're not trusting in yourself, you're trusting in Jesus. So you can't brag about yourself. You're going to brag, you brag about King Jesus. Therefore, we conclude, verse 28, therefore we conclude that a man is justified, declared righteous by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Or is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also the God of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also, since there is one God who will justify, who will declare righteous, the circumcised, the Jews, by faith, and the uncircumcised, the Gentiles, through faith. So it's not of works. We're saved by God's grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus alone. It's not of works. We have no reason to boast. And then a lot of people say, okay, well then good, then I'm just going to go right on, I'm going to trust in Jesus for salvation, and then I'm going to go right on sinning. No, look at verse 31. Do we then make void the law through faith? Certainly not. On the contrary, we establish the law. And so Paul's going to go on to teach that even though we're saved by God's grace alone, through faith alone, and Jesus alone, once we're saved, and it's not by works, once we're saved, we become God's workmanship, God's work of art. New creations in Christ created to do what? Good works. Now, don't after you get saved, don't say, okay, now that I'm saved, I need to obey the letter of the law. No, now that you're saved, you need to walk with King Jesus and live for Jesus, not yourself, and bring glory, glory to him. And through the power of God, love God and you got, love your neighbor as yourself. And as you study the Bible you'll be obeying the spirit of the law rather than the letter of the law. The whole law, over 600 Old Testament laws, summed up in 10 commandments. Jesus said, well, the, you know, the first four is your relationship with God. The last six, your relationship with your neighbor. As so Jesus summed it up, love God or anything you got, love your neighbor as yourself. Anybody who does that, by the way, will go to heaven. The problem is we are incapable, we fallen humans are incapable of loving God with all our heart and loving our neighbor as ourselves. We're incapable of doing that unless we're born again through the power of the Holy Spirit. We trust in Jesus for salvation, and then the Holy Spirit empowers us to love God and to love our neighbor. Even if, as non-believers, even if non-believers do the right thing, they're doing it for the wrong motives, unless they're indwelt by the Holy Spirit, and then we can obey God from the heart. And so true saving faith uh, produces um, good works. And so, if you don't remember anything else that I said today, if you think about, you know, this, this whole world, man, it's almost like our own leaders are pushing people around and trying to start World War III. Our own leaders are betraying us. 
You know, we've got 20 million foreigners who've entered our country illegally that we don't even know who they are. And there's decision after decision, it hurts us. And our money becomes worth less and less. And you start wondering, our own leaders are out to get us and things look real bad. And I wish I could tell you, no, our leaders aren't out to get us. Let me tell you, if you can win elections, you're not that stupid. You know the consequences of your decisions. Like John said earlier, our leaders are bringing us down because they want to bring us down. There's an awful lot of leaders that we have that are betraying America because they're all, they want a global state. They want to merge America into being a global state and American middle class will not stand for it, okay? Unless you destroy the American middle class. Once we get reduced to a third world status, we'd be okay. And so you might say, Pastor Phil, our own leaders are against us and the whole world is against us and nobody loves us anymore and things are really, really bad. You're right. But Jesus saves. And you look at the news and you think, man, it's, this world is on the verge of blowing up. Things are going down. You get punished for being a good person now. And the bad guys walk the streets. They don't even have to. They pay bail. They release them without bail. What is going on? Things are getting really, really bad. Brothers and sisters, Jesus saves. You might not be the most articulate person on the planet Earth, but you could tell people that Jesus saves. It's only two words. It's a beautiful sermon. So if you remember everything else that I said today, if you forget everything I've said throughout my whole life, you remember those two words. Jesus saves. Let's close with a word of prayer. Father, in Jesus' precious name, we are so sorry for all the bad things we've done, even some of the bad things we continue to do, whether we sin in our thoughts, our attitude, our words, our actions, we ask your forgiveness. And we thank you, Lord, that you're, you remain just because to be just, you have to punish all sin. But you've managed to remain just and be the justifier of the ungodly, myself and others. You remain just because you punished all sin. You can't forgive sin unless it's been paid for in full, but you punished the Lord Jesus, the just one, in our place. He took our punishment for us. And so we thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for us. Thank you for raising him from the dead to conquer death for us. And we long for the day when he returns and we see him face to face and he makes things right upon the world. But until that day, may your people, your works of art, 
May we go about our daily lives filled with the Holy Spirit. And may we tell everyone we see in one way or another, may we tell everyone that we see that Jesus saves. In a bad news world, the only good news is Jesus. In a hopeless world, the only hope is Jesus. Because we, like sheep, have gone astray. But King Jesus, he is good, and he saves. In Jesus' precious name, we